listening to 93.3 CFMU. Welcome to The Last Word. Each week, we talk to students and professors from all across McMaster, from the toughest challenges they've faced to the happiest moments they've had. We're going to be exploring each individual's unique experiences through life and find out what makes them tick. So buckle up and get ready. The show's about to get started. And now, please welcome your host, Vishal Patia. That's face and black. Okay, I appreciate the honesty. Okay, um, so let's get into it. So, so let's talk about, um, you know, your life before McMaster. Um, basically, where were you born? How, you, how did you grow up? And what was life like, uh, what was life like back then, um, years ago? Yeah, great. So thank you for having me. Let's go. Yeah, I'm born in I'm born in Germany. Right. Um, in a, the area, it's um, it's called, some people call it Elsace, um, Saarland, which is an area which went back between France and Germany. So it's quite outside of everything. The next big city is perhaps 100,000 people, and then you have to drive a long time to get a bigger city. So it was really the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did grow up, it was a healthy, small city. You know, we would have parades in the, um, in the thing, we would have... Lots of small stores, your local hardware store. So it was really a country kind of a life. Right. And then it was a coal area, coal mm-hmm. and steel. So from my bedroom, I would actually see the shaft, um, the construct where they would go down underground. Right. And the reason I'm saying that is that, um, so there was actually quite a, I think it was a nice life, for, you know, community and so on. And the reason I'm saying that is that changed like everywhere in the world. You know, once I was like 12, 12, 13, 14, there were nearly no stores anymore. There was a big supermarket outside. So I saw a very big change happening at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, what should I say? I mean, my my parents, so my parents were, I can say that all my family, they were all medical doctors. So my mother, my father, everybody. And... Um, there was always a big value put on education since I was a, since I was very young. Right. Um, also, big family values. I think that's something also I think is interesting. So for us, it was always the most important thing that we had three meals a day all on the table. There was just absolutely nothing around. There was no getting up. We would be three times. You know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we would be sitting at the table. And interestingly, interestingly, I would have that happening to me even until I was later. I would always eat lunch, dinner. And I do that now with my mm-hmm. family too, since I think that's a very important time together. And the reason I'm saying that, and since I know that's a lost mm-hmm. art, most people don't eat together, um, you know, right. eat together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, school, you know, school was uh, not a pleasant experience for me, not at all. Right. Um, I mean, everybody knows that I do a lot of spelling mistakes. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was no such thing as dyslexic or anything. Um, Essentially, it was said, if you can't spell, you're stupid. That was my experience. And, you know, I I was always a mathematical person. There was no uh, issue behind that. But society was just place that way and that's something i say you know it's still like this if you go in a room i would say or i talk about mathematical formulas people would say oh no that's much more too complicated for me but if people talk about you know literacy and poems and i say i don't want to hear that they think hey what's wrong with you (laughs) you know when you're educated you have to be good in writing and so on so this is something which 
I really suffered my entire life mm -hmm. over, you know, teachers would not accept that. And this was in through your entire school? That was through my entire... So that's really was a big thing through my life. Um, I was also in, in a, you know, very conservative, humanistic, they call that, environment. So I would have started... My first language was French. Mm -hmm. um, we were truly, uh, you know, what they do, what they call here... Um, How did I call it? Bilingual. That you know, we were really bilingual. Right. We, we changed classes with friends. So I, but you know, f talking was no problem. But spelling was always my problem. I always would do, do spelling mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next one I learned was Latin. Right. And then came English. And then I had so many languages that I start just as you know, I was not happy at all anymore. You know, I, school was just a big, big, big pain. Um, we're talking now the age of 13, no, f uh, 15, 15. 15 years old. When yeah. you were, okay. And um, I could not do that anymore. I started saying to my parents, I cannot do that anymore. Um, the pressure was just too much. Um, and I had teacher bullying me. There's no question. You know, when we talk teaching bullying me, I was just not happy at school. Absolutely not. And um, so I started crying. You know, I said, I cannot do that anymore. And uh, it was not um, four or five days. I was in a boarding school in Switzerland. So why in Switzerland, since I was f started with French, nowhere in Germany, they all started with English. And, you know, spelling language was not my big thing. Um, that was a big move. So you, you know, move with 15 out of the home um, in a school. There were about 200 students in there. So you lived in there and then you went into school. So I um, then went there to do the Swiss um, high school degree, mm -hmm. which is harder to do. But then it allowed me to have much more math. And so it was a different weighting on that thing. And that that changed the perception. But it was really very hard as a 15 year to go away from home, mm -hmm. you know, go somewhere completely different. Right. Um, but then again, that shaped me quite a bit. It shaped me significantly since... Think about it like this. I was living in a family where I did not have two or one sister and brother. I had like 50 to 100 <laughs> sisters and brother. Wow. Which, you know, we're all living together in one house. Um, you actually learn a lot of things like that. So that, that really shaped me. It, it clearly shaped my life. Um, that, and then I got the opportunity. It got better in school. I mean, I was still not you know, good in thing, but math mm -hmm. was the hype thing. And so I could get a Swiss high school degree, which immediately allowed me for free to study in Zurich, and one of the you know, top universities. That was my motivation behind that. So that was, again, I switched to somewhere completely different. I did not know anybody. Mm -hmm. I did that several times in my life, which was, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, you go somewhere where you, know, you absolutely do not know anybody. Right. Like, you mean switching different schools again and again? Was yeah, yeah. Okay. In, different, in country, you know. In right. country. I was a different country. That's not the country I was born in. How different is Switzerland than, like, than, uh, than Germany? You know, one of? thing I learned over all of these years, since I switched country again, when you ask me this, what is the difference between Canada and the U.S.? You know, and everybody, there are huge differences. They might even speak the same language. They have a different accent. The differences between countries are big. But understanding that actually made me, uh, I think, a better person since I understand that certain values, which are really important in one country, are very different seen in another country. So I started understanding you know, the different viewpoints. There is not 100% the truth to something, 100% one way to do something. 
Also, this boarding school I was in there was international. So for me, this was, you know, I came from a small city that really changed me. You know, being with people from, you know, got the newest music from um, from Spain and from France and from, you know, it was a very, very interesting environment. Mm-hmm. Um, studies was not, uh, you know, that was um, that was free, but that was, um, you know, eat or die thing. That was absolutely clear that um, three quarter of the people entering will be thrown out. Really? Yeah, there was no question. So the first time half, the second time half. So three quarters of the people. So you didn't know that, you know, one, three out of four would be gone. They will not make it. It was free, but it was a privilege. So they say, you know. So did that add pressure to like to your, um, the students studying in university at that time or in? You, you know, you didn't know everybody would be studying from the morning to the evening. It's not about studying. You actually have to be smart on top. Wow. Studying is the basic requirement. They don't, you know, they, it was a very different thing. They would not give you a list of topics in the final. You know, there would be a final. That was four hours. And, you know, that's just what it was. So you're saying we have we have it easy now. You give us, like, for courses, you tell us what it's to a do. Different, it's a very different <laughs> philosophy. It's a very different right. philosophy. The university today prides itself by attrition rate, you know. This university prides itself by we only keep the absolute best on top. It was a very different. It was a very different environment, which, if you can deal with it, you grow. Since you are always know, there are people who know more than you, and one of the things I think is the key. Even when you ask me about wife, um, life wisdoms, you always you should never compare yourself with somebody who knows less than yourself, and you always have to be aware as somebody who knows something more about one topic. Right. You know, that's uh, one for me, one of the things, you know, you can even, there was no way to do perfect, really absolutely perfect grades. It was always shown to you that, you know, you can work harder, you can do more. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a different environment. And I honestly think it is good. Do you think that kind of system would work in this, uh, in this era? I, I explained that, you know, I explained it before. Think about it like when you do sports. If you get a coach... The coach is standing next to you and yelling at you. Go, 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 go. He pushes you. It's well accepted that this mm-hmm. is the only way for you to get above, you know, get over yourself. I do not know why academics, where that got lost, since in academics it is the same thing. If you don't have the coach pushing you, you will be content with mediocre. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's in a way because, yeah. So, like, years back then, you're saying that means it was the coach putting, it was it was extrinsic motivation, it was coach, like, your teacher's putting pressure on you, it wasn't, wasn't yourself. Is, is, that, is, that what, is that what you mean? You put the pressure on yourself. You would not even be recognized by the faculty members before you went, you know, through the first um, filterings, and mm-hmm. it was your self-own responsibility. You have to learn how to, you know, how to, how to work that, mm-hmm. and nobody's running after you telling you to do it, since... If you don't do it, somebody else will do it, and you're gone. Do you think that's like that? That system has really helped you in uh, becoming the person you are. And you said you, I you think did. one of the key, you know, ask me for key traits is self-discipline, right? And how can you learn self-disciplines if there are no consequences if you if you're not disciplined? Mm-hmm. That's really where it comes for me. It comes from. 
you have the privilege, it is for free, but the privilege also comes with a responsibility. Right. Like, did this, like, so when you went through the, did the bullying continue at university as well, or was it just in school? Like no, the, no, no, that was high, uh, university I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So how did you, so when in, in situations like these, um, where you had, there were high pressure, you had to, like, you had to, you're essentially competing against so many, uh, so many people to, to uh, get on top. How did you, how did you do that? How did you, what was your strategy? You know, th- this is one of the advices I always give people. I think the key of being good is you have to start knowing yourself and be effective. You know, one of the, I go this, one of the things as a faculty member is, is time management. One of the biggest things I have to deal with time management. I have more things to do than I actually can do. So I have to make a decision what I will do and how I use my time most effectively. So you have to find out is what is my weakness. And, you know, we always like to work on our strengths. But the thing is, like when you do workout in a, you know, in a, you have to work on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I also like the, you know, people know I like to also use the piano or playing an instrument with that. You know, if your fingers are not good playing that chord, they will not get better if you play the piece which you're good at. You always have to do the thing which you're not good at. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, I find it myself, then you start getting good at that and you find even pleasure in the things which you did not succeed at before. And that gives me a big satisfaction. Do you have an example of what you weren't good at and then you got really good at? Writing. Writing. You know, I at the end, I do not have, I mean, I was a department chair and I do not have people who cheat each and every email. I have mechanisms to overcome that. I mean, you saw that exam, you had three days ago. People would not believe that I'm completed. There was no mistake in it, you know. But how do I do that? I have to spend a lot of time. I have to have my mechanisms to overcome my weakness. That's my, you know, I have to know myself. Mm-hmm. And is that what you recommend to students now in this? You have to recognize your weakness and you have to f- face it. And you have to practice. What if, what if students don't want to? What if they, they, they can't look at themselves objectively and they can't spot their weaknesses? What then? It's a very difficult one to do. Yeah. You, I mean, I think your weaknesses you can find by just opening your ears and listening. And by being realistic, but if you compare yourself with the people who are, n- who are worse than you and you're content about it, you will never find it out. So the key is like to be open-minded, like, you know, just people, take people's advice. And- to be humble and realize, it, I think it's to hum- humble and to realize that you are not perfect. You will never be perfect. There's always somebody who can do it better. And mm-hmm. you strive for the better one and not for being content. Was there someone in your life when you were growing up, like your mentor, anyone who told you, hey, this is, these are your weaknesses, you, you got to work on it? Did you like, and if it was, that, did you feel bad about it? And, or did you like actually take into <laughs> You know, account? my spelling weakness, I did not need anybody. You know, I got bullied for that right. um, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I purposely used the word bullying. Um, I don't think it is difficult when you walk with open eyes Mm-hmm. Through the world to find out what <laughs> right. you know what your weaknesses is, right? You know, and uh, it is a question of self. We talked short about self responsibility. You know, when you get an exam back which is not a so good grade, it might not be the mistake of the prof. It might be that you actually did not study, yeah, or do not master that material. Yeah, because because I, I ask this because you know, like when people tell me about my weaknesses, I always it's difficult to look at myself objectively. Like you know, you. Instead of bl- blaming my weaknesses, I tend to blame the person. I'm like, no, like, what does he know? What does she know? 
like you know how do how can yeah. they how can they spot my weaknesses like i think i know myself better yeah. you know so in situations like these what do you think I, it's very difficult so i'm on the complete over self-critical side i'm my own absolute worst you know biggest critic i criticize mm-hmm. everything i do you know when i drive even now i will think about that i can improve you know how i take and mo- most people don't care about such small things but i always criticize myself and i think that's what i say you have you have to start realizing that you can always improve mm-hmm. how did you um so how how did you find McMaster in the first place? Like so, because you from <laughs> how what was the transition like from Switzerland? to... So I I did my PhD mm-hmm. and it was no question in my mind I will go. I was always interested in academia, mm-hmm. um, but so it was no question in my mind to do a postdoc overseas. I was never before in the US uh, or Canada, and so there was this opening in Waterloo. You know, I immediately said yes without even hesitating or looking. Then I got myself a big Canada map. Um, folded that open. I did not know much. That was before the internet. And um, Waterloo was not even marked on that big <laughs> map, so I spent that money for nothing. Right. Um, and I arrived. Um, that was a, also, a, you know, it was a big step. Um, I really love Canada. You know, mm-hmm. that was the country where I felt immediately welcome. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that because you're on radio? or do you No, no, no. <laughs> that, 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 everybody in my family didn't know that one. I just felt there's a, there's a big difference. Right. It changed too. You know, Canada changed too. What changes uh, do you, like, what are the the, ob- the obvious changes? Do you at noticed? the very beginning when I came to Canada, I really loved the social structures and it was, uh, in my opinion, very flat. There was very little difference between rich and poor and everybody was happy. That changed quite a bit in the last years where you have much more. Before, people did not care if you are a car mechanic if you're clean you know you just meet and you talk and i that's i think that's the right way you know you don't need to have an expensive car or expensive watch or whatever to show off you know i'm I'm not a fan of this kind of thing and canada was not like that um now you find it obviously more so that's one thing which really attracted me you know you you just talk with people and nobody cared where you're from what you do nobody cared about your status nobody cared about what car you had yeah so how did you get into, how did you find McMaster? So how did you? Um, it, was, um, it was Dave Panas, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about him. He's a very big, I mean, he's the founder of the department. So he was looking around um, and there was a junior position. I was looking for a faculty position. Um, that was not easy at that time. It was um, just one of these times there was not a lot of hiring. Um, I applied for that. So there was a position in ECE. I applied for that. It was a long shot. But the good thing is they were fighting so much about two other candidates that somehow they could agree on this young, um, <laughs> you know, young person who, you know, I started pure math, to come in into, uh, into electrical and computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an element of luck that was just at the very beginning when there was a new wave of hiring. So it was really big luck. I was the absolute youngest. There was nobody else in the assistant or even I think, yeah, assistant professor level. So they must all have been like eight, nine, ten years more seniority than me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did, are you now? Are you um, glad that you came to McMaster? You didn't go to any other university. You didn't go- I like McMaster. I honestly mm-hmm. like it. I mean, everything changes. I don't, you know, everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, 
There's several things. I like McMaster since it's it's a smaller university. I call it a smaller university. You know, we didn't know we, I didn't know everybody, the provost and so on. It was a really more like a family feeling. Um, I really like the mixed classroom approach at McMaster. It's not a siloed. I did. I was in a silo university. I would mm-hmm. not see anybody else. You know, there were just people <laughs> studying math, and there was yeah. nothing else. Right. Um, it's a nice campus. Mm-hmm. It's um, nicely located. You know, you have. Everything you want. You are not in a giant city, but mm-hmm. you can go to a giant city. You get everything you want here. This is a nice place. Mm-hmm. And it's a research university. It's very intensive. Very, very um, research. research intensive. You yeah. talk with profs who actually do research. It's not a, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, not a teaching artificial thing. Mm-hmm. Would you send your kid to McMaster once he finishes school? I let him choose. You know, he's a. Uh, I heard he wants to get. Some, he wants to get into law. Right? Yeah, he's more interested in the law than the okay. technical things. So has he thought about yeah. where, where he wants to go? No, that's still a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. Okay, so we're nearing the end of the show. Um, so any last words for any advice? Last words of advice for young students who have come to McMaster, uh, like you know, first or second years, um, and also advice for graduating students. Like I'm graduating in in April 2020. So what advice would you have for those two sections of people? I think the first one I always say is hard work pays out. Right. The other thing in my life is I think it's a real believer. The one who laughs last is the one who laughs best. If you study and your friends laugh that you're studying, you will be the one who laughs later since you have the better job. (laughs) This is 100% of my life. I got bullied so many times. And at the end, I'm the one who is laughing. Right. You know, it Mm -hmm. might take two, three years, but at the end, I'm the one who prevents. In the end, you're the last, last one laughing. I think clean cut modest hard working still cuts it mm-hmm. there's no question about that mm-hmm. um, don't get yourself taken away by this consumption and show off things right you know? the visceral stuff like the stuff yeah. on the outside and what advice do you have for people graduating now in April like you know we're getting out into the real world getting into That's jobs what, that was my graduating one you know clean cut and so on still prevails okay. for the students coming in if a subject sounds scary and nobody wants to take it you should take it and excel in it that is pretty good I think choosing the easy path is not the right way to excel you should always challenge yourself in your in your studies in the university is the perfect environment for this you know there's everything you want just push yourself I'm free.